Welcome to the second edition of uh, Perception Reception for 2021. Uh, really fortunate, you know, here we are right in the wake of uh, the inaugural of uh, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. And um, we have with us Grant O'Brien, who was one of the people working on the advanced event operations for the inaugural. And I also have on someone with the last name of J.S. Kalka, Andrew J.S. Kalka, who actually advanced President Carter four years ago at the uh, Trump inaugural. And interestingly, they both worked on uh, the same event, which was the uh, church service, among, among other things. I, I guess I'm going to call this the uh, all in the family uh, version of Perception Reception because uh, Grant, full disclosure, is the nephew of the famous Brian McPartland, who I've done advance with for decades. And uh, and Andrew has literally been doing advance work, including internationally, since he was in his teens. And he's uh, quite a few years past his teens right now. And so let me start with Grant. Uh, what was, you know, sort of your... If, if you think back on the last 48, 72 hours, talk about what your favorite experience was, what, what you're going to take away with you, what you're going to remember from this inaugural. Uh, well, that's that, that. Well, just before I get started, just thank you so much for having me. Um, you know, we have a lot in common. Not only that, but we. Have, I also grew up from you, Andrew, probably a couple blocks away from each other. So it really is all in the family, <laughs> and uh, and I'm just so thrilled that uh, you guys are such close family friends of ours, and and we just love you guys. So thank you for having me on. It's good to um, good to chat with you all. But um, and we also have the commonality that we both worked on the church services of the event. So that of the of the big inaugural. So that was, I mean, obviously, um, that was my my big focus over the last couple of days of, alongside my colleagues. Um, you know, it, it's it's tradition for the, the incoming president uh, to attend a family church service on the morning of the inaugural. And uh, and we had to, you know, uh, obviously adapt to the new circumstances that we're living in in a, in a post pandemic uh, world and 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 frankly a post uh, capital insurrection world, which is you know kind of a new reality that we all have to think about now. I think um, you know within the last two weeks, obviously there was a tremendous amount of security that was deployed to Washington D.C., which created a lot of challenges for us. And you know, as the um, associate director of events and ceremonies, one of one of several, and uh, and, and alongside some of my colleagues you know, in the last two weeks, we really had to sort of take that into account in a bigger way than we ever thought we would have to. Um, so again, security was a top, top priority. And, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the inaugural morning church service is the first event of the day that the uh, president-elect attends. So it's the first time that the cameras typically get a shot, uh, you know, a, a, a photo or a video of the President-elect, so it's it's incredibly important, but um, I think it's no secret that President Biden, uh, which is I'm still getting used to saying that, <laughs> and it will probably take a while to get used to that, but it's it's no it's no um, secret that President Biden's an incredibly uh, in touch with his faith, and I think that also added a uh, a level of, of importance to us pulling that event off as smoothly as possible. His family, obviously, his close friends, um, they're very uh, in touch with their face. So we wanted to make sure that we did did the event justice, made sure that we were doing uh, the best 
for the family. And then also, you know, in attendance to that event was the uh, the first female vice president in our nation's history attended that event, who is uh, who has a different faith than that of the of the president. So uh, ensuring that her and her family felt welcome that event as well was incredibly important to us because um, it's uh, I'll I'll harp on this a lot during my uh, my uh, relaying my experience. But I think that the, the key takeaway throughout the whole last 72 hours was inclusivity or inclusion and how important that is to this administration. And I, I, I think overall, my big takeaway just from the entire, entire, uh, again, last 72 hours was how, uh, what, 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 what a breath of fresh air that is, I think, uh, and how, how different of a feeling that is, I think today than we've been, you know, feeling recently in recent history. So, well, let uh, me, let me, let me segue there for a minute then, uh, because, um, Andrew, I mean, you, you did, and I'm sure that, uh, you never thought that this was going to happen, but you know, you, uh, advanced president Carter at the Trump inaugural. And, and so talk a little bit about how strange that had to have been. Uh, cause I, I remember photos of you, not only with president and Mrs. Carter, but you know, the Carters talking to the Clintons, they had, Certainly he had to be. Yeah, that, uh, yeah, that was, that was, I mean, that was a little, that was all at the Capitol. Um, but, and Grant, I want to go back to you too, because when you were talking about the, uh, the inclusivity of the, of the event, I, I have a follow-up question to that. But from, from my point of view for uh, four years ago, when I was doing this uh, for President Carter, I mean, he's obviously also very into faith. And so for him, it was important to be at that church service. Um and the only, what I remember is just chaos. I mean, the church is tiny. Um, it's it was not a very big church, um, and it was just packed with people. Like definitely not within fire codes, I would say. Um, you know, you had the all the security detail lined in the hallways. You had like all uh, the members of uh, Congress who were in there. They had all the family members that were in there. Um, and it was, it was surreal. I mean, I think part of it too was surreal for me because I knew, let's be honest, president Trump is not religious. And so for me, that was basically, um, kind of a, a sham service for him to show that, you know, he has this religious side to him that he, that he didn't, but like, from my point of view, uh, you know, I, I just remember how packed it was and how many people wanted to be part of it. And so for you, Grant, like, I'm curious, from the inclusivity part of it during COVID when you can't have everyone come and there's such a large contingent of people that want to be part of that. Um, how are you able to manage um, the expectations, one of the family, uh, but then all the expectations of the people who wanted to be part of that? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. I mean, I mean, fortunately and unfortunately, we have been living through this pandemic for so long now that there is sort of an understanding out there of what what we're capable of doing in in a in a um, in a given space. I know, of course, I think that that church service years ago was probably at St. John's, if I'm not mistaken. It was, yeah, right I mean, across from the hands. Yeah. Yep, the, right. well, the one that where where um, Trump did his favorite upside down Bible holding. That's that's right. Um, which and, and right, obviously, St. John's was in the press quite a bit over right. the uh, summer, uh, given its proximity to uh, where a lot of the Black Lives Matter protests were were occurring. 
And um, but but as far as size goes, and I, I, I actually have never set foot. I've never been inside uh, St. John's, but I would imagine that uh, the Cathedral of St. Matthew's, the Apostle, uh, probably similar in size. I think, you know, if, if I had to estimate, I would say St. Matthew's of the Apostle, you know, can fit to a couple of hundred folks uh, seated mm-hmm. inside the pews in a, in a pre-pandemic scenario. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, obviously looking for a cathedral that is large enough to accommodate all the people you want to have invited while, um, you know, uh, adhering to COVID protocols that we've established and that we are by the recommendations of the city and, and the country and, and all these officials that we trust. Uh, it's really not possible. I mean, the reality is that on Inauguration Day, who wouldn't want to attend a church service, you know, with, with the incoming president? And the reality is that if you, if, you, if you could fill up the entire cathedral, you would have no problem doing that. Uh, but easily. Safety, yeah, easily. safety is important. And uh, it was incredibly important to us, I think, not only from the just the science of it all, but also from a messaging standpoint. You know, COVID is something that the Biden administration is obviously going to be taking incredibly seriously. And it's important to kind of send that message. So, you know, by by having a more limited and, and we were fortunate enough and you know, the press was very aware that we had leadership from both the Senate and the House were in attendance, which is another um, again, great for them to attend. I know I know the president wanted them to attend. Uh, but also, uh, again, it was important to re- convey that this is a pandemic that this president is going to be taking seriously and he's not going to uh, there's going to be no corners cut uh, on how he handles it. So, um, again, first event of the day, I think that message was supposed to be sent strongly and I think it was received strongly. And uh, it certainly set the bar for um, how the rest of the day went, which it all went, you know, even exceeded that. So. Uh, but that's, it was I mean, a spectacular day. Yeah, it really it was. was. Like, it, I have to the, say, the day was great. the The yeah. event last night was spectacular. Like nor- normally, I don't get into that stuff, but like I was glued for the full ninety minutes. It was just all extremely well done. Yeah, yeah. I have yet to actually yeah. watch it. I, I was in it and I was there. And, <laughs> and I, a lot of times, I wasn't able to pay attention to what was happening because, as you know, three advanced guys know, we're often leapfrogging to the next thing to, you know, to, uh, so unfortunately, I mean, I, I haven't even been able to watch the speech in its entirety. I've caught the highlights and, um, and, and the big clips of it, but, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm so curious to see how it was captured, you know, by the press and how it was perceived by the whole country, because that's how the majority, I mean, the vast majority of Americans ingested this and it's, uh, and, and you know, your 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 podcast is so appropriately titled Perception Reception. It's just it's just so incredibly important. Um, and, I have to uh, say, I mean, having, having been at and, um, you know a number of inaugurals and then living vicariously through uh, the two of uh, you as well. Uh, but yesterday was I agree with Andrew was exceptional. I mean, start to finish. Yeah, I mean every element. I mean, even the fact that um, uh, the Bidens waited to leave Blair House until after President Trump had uh, departed for Florida uh, and just the the compelling uh, programming uh, and the thoughtfulness that went into it. Um, you know, I know that uh, Ricky Kirshner and Stephanie Cutter played a huge role in, in planning this. And for those who don't know, Ricky Kirshner is... Uh, the guy who has done, I don't know how many democratic conventions and is the one that produced the phenomenal 
a convention uh, the last year. Uh, so, um, I mean, just uh, kudos to everybody that was involved in the inaugural. Uh, how I have to ask Grant, how bizarre was it? Uh, I mean, obviously, it's uh, the inaugural is a U.S. Secret Service uh, national security event, but because of what happened on January sixth, uh, it well, the city was really shut down. How bizarre was it just moving around uh, and having oh. everything <laughs> shut down? Sure. Well, you know, DC is not, um, it's, it's traffic is not my favorite. I'll be honest. I'll be the first, <laughs> I know I'm not the first to say that, but it's a, typically, it can be a tough city to navigate outside of these events. Um, you know, everybody in DC and I, I, I have lived here in the, in the past and it's, I'm, I'm newly have returned to DC and I, I do intend on staying here for some time, but I'll never get used to the traffic here. <laughs> so road closures, I think it's very, uh, people here are very used to motorcades rolling through their neighborhoods, um, road closures, uh, you know, not being able to get past government buildings easily because of various reasons. And still, everyone was saying how unique this felt, um, despite having, you know, being typically pretty comfortable with that. And, um, you know, just trying to get from, you know, a uh, from one side to the other for a walkthrough, you know, you had to build in extra time just to navigate the, the, the various barriers that would go along the way. So um, from a, from a logistics standpoint, obviously it was very challenging, but, you know, I, I have to say, and I just, just, um, just to give credit to the national guard. I mean, I think that their presence here was actually, you know, I had no doubt in my mind tomorrow was going to go off flawlessly because of the amount of security that was on the ground. And I think that really helped the atmosphere um, remain calm uh, for what I think a lot of Americans were predicting may have been a more chaotic day. And, um, you know, but after seeing the amount of security and amount of um, eyes was on the ground, boots on the ground, eyes on the, on the ground, um, ensuring that every intersection was safe, that people, the only, the only the authorized people were where they needed to be. Um, you know, I, I frankly, op- I, I moved throughout the day yesterday without having any concern because they, they really doubled down on that. So I think that was, that was great to see. Um, because we know, obviously, in recent history, how quickly mass gatherings can get out of hand. So again, we couldn't have done this without them. I mean, having the National Guard there, I think, was incredibly important. Well, and hats off to, the, I mean, the Secret Service, there's just nobody better. Uh, I mean, you know, because they develop a comprehensive plan for this, and then they, I'm sure, had to adjust it after uh, what happened on January 6th. And so uh, I think they... Uh, uh, kudos to them. Kudos to the military district of Washington D.C., the ceremonial uh, division of folks that we know so very well, and uh, I mean, just everybody performed. You know, brought their A plus game to to the table. Uh, I, I want to ask beyond the event uh, that you did, Grant and and Andrew, you uh, because you were there with President Carter, you really went through the entire inaugural process four years ago. Uh, as you look back, Andrew, I mean, what were the one or two memories that you're going to take with you forever that that just are etched into your mind? Ah, man, that's tough, tough to narrow down because uh, it was such a unique experience. Like just traveling all those years I got to travel with President Carter was unique. But like for whatever reason, four years ago at this inaugural, it was 
extremely unique. Um, I mean, again, starting with the kind of the surrealness of that church experience, um, running into um, Mrs. Pence as we were going into the motorcade uh, to head on to the to the Capitol building uh, between the church service and the Capitol. Um, but I would say, like one of the coolest things that was uh, that I got to see when we got to the Capitol and we're heading to the hold room, and then all the formers started showing up. So I literally have pictures where we're standing in the hallway of the Capitol building, and President Bush is there, and President Clinton is there, uh, Hillary was there, uh, and everyone was just having just a conversation. And you know, I'm the advanced guy, just standing there in awe because you're looking at all these powerhouses. And, you know, George Bush comes in cracking jokes, being hilarious. And it was just, it was just one of those weird things. And it's just like, you know, I got to, to I got to be part of that. Um, and then honestly, like I didn't get, since I was in the Capitol, I didn't really get to see the inauguration. So I was kind of behind the scenes in, in the back hallways uh, with the Carter detail. Uh, but where I was able to stand, I was able to see, um, everyone who watches the inaugural knows like the shots that they show of all the, you know, the formers coming down the steps and the Supreme court and the members of Congress. So I literally got to see everybody, everybody coming down the steps before they go out onto the platform. Um, so that was pretty spectacular too. Um, but the whole thing was just, was unique. And you know, it's, it's funny, Grant, cause you mentioned the, the transportation issue and getting around DC. The other thing I remember is president Carter who, you know, my dad will attest to is very punctual. And so as soon as that ceremony was over, he wanted to get to the airport because he wanted to get on the plane and he wanted to head out. And we got into the motorcade and, you know, we're, we're in a motorcade. It's run by the secret service. And we got stuck at like three checkpoints because, you know, he's an older former and didn't have priority. And there was other things going on. They needed to, to, for the official movements, and so he was just getting so annoyed that we were sitting in traffic in the motorcade and couldn't get through to get to the airport. So that was just a, a funny little sidebar. He did make his flight, though. He did make his flight, yeah. <laughs> Grant, yeah, what, what, anecdotally, what, what are a couple of the things that you're just, you know, uh, that one day you're going to tell a story to your kids? Well, you know, I'm again, this is, since you uh, mentioned the formers, you know, so after after the morning church service, I actually uh, just made a couple of stops dropping things off as us advancers have to do behind the scenes. And then I, I made my way over to the uh, Arlington National Cemetery where um, the wreath laying ceremony wow. was happening later that day. So I, I went to go prep for that. And the um, after the uh, the speech that President Biden gave at the Capitol, the formers actually jumped ahead to the amphitheater near the tomb of the unknown soldier to record a PSA, which I believe is, is live. And you, can I got to tell you, Grant, it is run. I can't tell you how many times it's run fifty times. So I was on the other side of that camera, and I could tell watching it. It was going to be a hit, so I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I have to say, I think the one big takeaway, I mean, I'm looking at these three presidents and uh, how incredibly respectful they were to one another, um, how they had clear admiration for one another, and how, um, you know, seeing a, a Democrat to a Republican back to a Democrat and how they had uh, – 
you just you, you didn't you, you didn't see that bipartisanship or that partisan divide sort of on their sleeve at all. And, and, and I, 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 there was not just a. I mean, they 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 have that kind of relationship. Go ahead. A lot of folks, you know, uh, and I think you can probably speak to this better than I could. But the uh, the Clinton and the Bush families have always been incredibly friendly with each other. I mean, I think. Um, you know, it's hard to imagine Trump ever participating. I mean, it's impossible to imagine. But, um, you know, uh, George Herbert Walker Bush and President Clinton had a phenomenal relationship after their tenures as president. And they worked together for years afterwards to do a lot of phenomenal work. And I, all I can remember thinking yesterday, watching these three eloquent, very well-respected presidents representing both sides of the aisle, I remember thinking, Former President Donald Trump does not fit in this club. And I, I can never really exactly. have a scenario where he is going to participate in something like this. And it was, you know, again, it was a, a digital, you know, uh, a DTC, as they call it. It was a, uh, you know, a PSA that was, you know, rooted in unity and unifying the country. And I, uh, and I, I just don't see where he belongs in that, in that group. Um, yeah. So well, yeah, that, I mean, just, I mean, we worked on, uh, the uh, opening of the Clinton Library, um, and uh, we're down there for nine months. And there were a number of times where I had to make requests of the Bush White House for support, uh, and they could not possibly have been more helpful. They were just wonderful uh, all the way through. And, and, and friendships that I made with people through that experience have remained steadfast to this day. So, uh, you know, the, 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 it, that is actually one of the great reassuring things when you see, you know, uh, the Obamas have become very close with the Bushes. Uh, the Clintons are close with the Bushes. Uh, there really is that uh, mutual uh, respect, uh, admiration. Uh, they have a good time together. And you, you're right. I, I'm, I, <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen with the, the, this last former. I don't think that's inside baseball either. I think that anyone watching that PSA, you know, for the most part, uh, felt similarly that even if you supported Donald Trump, there's just a, a different, uh, just a different temper uh, in, in the way that those other three uh, former, you know, presidents uh, conduct themselves. And um, it, it actually was quite, it was quite nice to watch as an observer. Uh, it was, it was actually you- quite reassuring. Did you, Grant, or anyone else um, just on the inaugural uh, team, did you guys have to do, I mean, I know that they stayed as far away from it as possible, but was there any interaction with the Trump administration just in terms of what was going on? Or like even even the, the coordination um, with his, his nonsense at, at uh, Andrews, um, like obviously there needed to be some sort of coordination just for timing purposes. I mean, can you take us kind of through that process and, and what that looks like? Sure. If, now, if that's, at all. A little, that's a little outside of my scope. I mean, frankly, I, don't, I, I wouldn't be the one to sort of handle that communication. But I, I think the press has been pretty on top of mentioning that the, the ask was made and the, the, the connection was attempted by the by the Biden team. But it wasn't it wasn't received. And, and, and um, I think there was some coordination towards the end there, but you know, I, I'm, I'm sort of speculating again, it's really outside of my scope of what I did. Uh, but I, I think that um, given his, his desire to leave Washington before we kicked off the day, you know, sort of 
the demand to coordinate with his team was minimal compared to what it would yeah. be in a, you know, an Obama Bush or an Obama uh, Trump transition where, you know, former president Obama. Things were normal. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Normal. And, and there's the respect for the office and the process and the, and the, uh, <laughs> The, the, this the whole the whole the whole transition of power. Well, uh, so yeah, I, I can't really speak to it, but my 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 hunch is that it, there wasn't a ton of communication, and and that wasn't, uh, you know, I think we all know who's mostly responsible for that. Yeah, yeah. T- typically, what would happen is that um, uh, after the actual ceremony, and you know, usually there is a luncheon following right. the actual ceremony. Uh, but what happens is before that luncheon, uh, the new president and first lady escort uh, the outgoing president and first lady out to uh, uh, Marine One and then, um, or, well, it's not Marine One at that point, but to a helicopter to take them uh, out to the airport where they, where they then leave Washington uh but you know which is really cool by the way that that i got to witness as well Uh, i I was in the capitol watching it from a window but it was still pretty spectacular yeah i remember you you uh you sent pictures uh uh, that were really terrific but of course this time uh and look i i um i give uh uh vice president pence a lot of credit uh for uh you know i he haven't had a lot of good things to say, but but I I think it showed some real character uh, that he and Mrs. Pence showed up, and then um, you know you had uh, Vice President Harris and her husband uh, uh, walk the Pences out, and while there was no helicopter, they walked him out to the motorcade, and it really was a, a sort of a heartwarming moment to to be able to see that that civility. Well, you know, the Biden children have are no strangers to the White House. And that's why so I think that you know, some of these some of these traditions, like the first lady, uh, you know, escorting the the incoming first lady and showing them the house. I mean, these are some traditions that have been on on and on for years and decades. And, um, you know, again, uh, the Biden children are no strangers to the White House. But think about it if it were uh, Obama coming into office and what a nice thing it is for his young kids to get a tour of the White House and to see the White House and obviously how gracious it was for, you know, uh, First Lady uh, Laura Bush to, to, to show Michelle Obama around the house. And, I, you know, those are the, I think those are really the the moments that resonate with a lot of Americans more so than the grand, uh, you know, the parade and sort of the grand uh, symbols of democracy that happen in, in front of the Capitol on the stage. I mean, I think it's those little sort of more genuine interactions that people really stick with. I mean, and, and so for those to be absent this time around, I think is a little bit heartbreaking, but you know, again, it's, it's sort of, it's, it's what we've come to expect from president Trump. Yeah. I mean, look, I'll, I'll remember that, that, uh, and it really was incredible that, uh, uh, president Bush hosted a lunch for former presidents, uh, right before the Obama inaugural, uh, and, uh, so, you know, you had all the former presidents uh, go to the White House and um, not only did President Bush uh, treat them with tremendous respect and was enormously gracious, but those of us who were there as advanced people, um, he, he had one of his uh, aides, one of his senior aides, host a lunch 
for us, for the support staff in the uh, White House mess. And uh, then, you know, after the luncheon was over and everybody was getting ready to shove off. So we're all up right outside of the Oval. Um, and, uh, you know, I see all the former presidents except President Carter. I'm looking around and, and go. And so I, I just almost to myself, I go, uh, is, did President Carter go to the restroom? And he was leaving. He left. And uh, President Bush let him go out the uh uh, you know, the patio door. And so it was President Bush that looked at me and he said, he went that way. And I, <laughs> he, he, he said, it's okay. He said, you can go, you can go through and just go on out and, and catch up with the motor. <laughs> and so yeah, there I, you know, strolling through the oval to, uh, to catch up to the motor because I'm pretty sure President Carter probably would have left without me if I wasn't out there. <laughs> So, oh, yeah, we know those motorcades don't wait for us. <laughs> they yeah, go. Well, <laughs> as Andrew said, President Carter, God bless him, is probably one of the most punctual people on the planet. So, sure. so would you do this again uh, in the future? Or, uh, you know, it's it, well, as, as any listener would know from Brian McPartland being on, you know, a couple of weeks back. I'm addicted to events. I just find it to be so fun uh, to be such an experience. You really get a, a front row seat to these historic moments that, you know, I, I can't, I can't stress enough how grateful I am and how fortunate I feel. True to my Irish heritage. I am the luckiest guy in the world that I get to do these kinds of things. And I, I know you guys feel the same way. Um, so I, I can't imagine a scenario in my life where if I was asked to do this again, I would say no. The answer is yes. Every single time. Uh, and again, yeah, I just feel incredibly fortunate to have been part of it. And uh, again, to work with both of you throughout the years on it has been another blessing as well. Uh, so it's an emphatic yes for me, Rick. Well, look, I, I hope you get to do um, some advance for uh, President Biden now uh, over the next four years, because uh, uh, I've had the privilege of doing some advance for him when he was vice president. And I've known him now for, um, you know, I, I first met him back in 1984. He is just a wonderful human being, uh, besides being a great leader. So uh, uh, I hope you have that opportunity. We, we you know, uh, Andrew, uh, you know, Lauren, we, we were, we, Amy, I mean, we've been blessed by uh, having the opportunity to do advance work for, for several presidents. And, uh, uh, and, you know, I cherish every minute. Andrew, uh, you want to sum up how you feel about doing advance? I love it, too. Um, it's definitely what you you nailed it, Grant. You get to be part of some pretty amazing things. And, um, you know, I've been lucky enough to be part of some amazing things. Um, and so I guess, uh, you know, for me, I, it's harder for me to say yes sometimes when you have two kids uh, young kids, but, uh, given the opportunity to do, you know, something major like an inauguration or a democratic convention, uh, even traveling for a current president, even traveling for a current vice president. Yeah. That, those, those would be tough to turn down. So I, I agree with you. You know, in, in my, in the past, I've had opportunities to join other departments of different campaigns or, you know, different um, elected officials in, in a different capacity. But I have to say, I always sort of return to advance as being, you know, the the love of, of why, you know, why we love this industry. I guess you can call it an industry. Um, this element of democracy. I mean, it's, you know, I think 
you know, the, the, the job of advance is to make sure these things go off, you know, as if they went off naturally and without any preparation. Although we know there's an incredible amount of preparation that goes into just moving an elected official or a candidate for office, you know, from their hotel to the airport takes an unbelievable amount of, uh, of coordination. But, um, you know, the beauty of advance is that it really sort of, if everything gets funneled in, in, in through through the window of advance, you know, you're working with communications folks, your legal teams, your political folks, your policy people, it all sort of gets executed through this advance window. And, and, and again, I think that just provides an opportunity for guys like us to, to really see some tremendously um, rare, historic, um, important events in history. And uh, I wouldn't trade it for the world. I mean, I, if I, you know, as, as we all know, we're always on call, you know, I don't think that'll ever change, you know, uh, because it's just, uh, it's truly a, a gift. And it's, well, it's, I, been, I, uh, I also am proof of the old axiom, uh, may not apply to the two of you, but that advanced people can advance themselves. So I apologize for my phone ringing, uh, during, uh, the, 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 the close here. Uh, but you know, I suppose that's appropriate. Uh, anyway, that the, the the closing bell here. But I am very grateful to both of you uh, for doing this, and uh, it it makes me feel good to listen to the two of you talk about it because um, you know I've been doing advance uh, since my uh, teens, uh, and a few years have passed since then, and I have cherished every minute of it. And I, I am very proud of uh, both of you for the work that you've done over the years. And uh, I hope that you still have opportunities going forward to do more of it. Thank you both for being guests on Perception Reception. And uh, I'm sure you'll be back. We'll have other stuff to talk about down the road. No question. Thanks for having me, Rick. And Andrew, great to see you. Chat oh, great you. to see you, Grant.